0: Glory to God. You know, this whole morning has been about love. It's interesting because the message that I have this morning is really talking about love. And I had it two weeks ago, but I didn't get to preach it because the Holy Spirit took it another direction. But. And then Nicole gets up here and she's talking about the love of the Father and everything. It's the love of the Father. It's the love of the Father. It's the love of the Father. He, He wants to do a new thing in you. He wants to, but we've got to see him, you know, think about the prodigal son. Can you see how the prodigal son got crusty towards his father, right? He didn't see his father for who he really was. And then there's that moment where it comes and all of a sudden he wakes up. He wakes up. Listen, even if we're like the best Christian in the place, right, this morning, I guarantee you there's still some areas in your life where we need to wake up. I guarantee you there's some place where we've been crusty, and we need to wake up to the love of the Father, see Him for who He really is, and step into that place. And and you can turn. We've been talking about healing, and this is... Uh, Part seven in healing. Healing can be yours. Healing can be yours. And uh, we may have come in here one way, but we're leaving another way and we're taking healing with us. Right. Even if you're in perfect health, you are called to be an ambassador of God and you have a responsibility to raise your faith for healing for ourselves and for others. These signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Healing is a command of God for every believer to walk in it and carry it, to be a carrier of it. Well, listen, you don't just move into the place of healing just by agreeing with God. Did you know that the devils agree that God's a healer? But they're not putting faith towards God as their healer. They denied that when they denied him. But he, they know that God's a healer. We can know that God is a healer but never walk in it. But yet the word is so clear that we're supposed to not only know it but walk in it. But bear the fruit of healing in our lives. Those, those that believe shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will recover. This is supposed to be a sign of a believer. How many believers do I have in here today? Amen. If you're a believer, this is supposed to be a sign of a believer. People are supposed to be able to know that you're a believer simply by the fact that you walk in the signs of a believer. This is a part of them. These signs will follow them that believe. They will speak with new tongues, right? They will cast out devils. They will raise the dead. They'll heal the sick. These are the signs that follow a believer. And when the church has really gotten away from this whole message because they don't understand that God moves in signs. I did a a video the other day talking about signs and how signs are a part of the word and yet they've taken one scripture out of context and said don't chase after signs, not realizing that the issue is not the sign, it's the heart. And the very verse that they're using is actually proving them wrong. It's exactly what they're talking about. Go watch the video. It's on Facebook. It'll explain it. I'm not preaching that this morning. But it's a hard issue of seeing God for who he is. Seeing God for who he is. These are supposed to follow us in healing. We're not supposed to be just the healed people of the Lord. We're supposed to be carriers of the healing nature of God. Not because we ourselves of our own accord are anything, but with him. We are the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Christ in this earth. That when we pray for th- people, things happen. But a lot of people just think that it's all up to God, like what Patty was saying. They're waiting on God to show up and do something, and God's saying, I'm waiting on you. I did everything when I gave my son, and he, he died on that cross, and then he rose from the grave. My part is done. So now we go into a message about healing. People are like, well, I know God wants to be a healer. Yeah, but are you doing it? Yeah. Because that's really the telltale sign of whether or not you actually are where you need to be. And then you've got some people, man, they're laying hands on the sick and they're being healed all over the place. But man, their finances, whoo, well, they are, in the, they are in the pits, right? And so you've got, you've, we want to walk in every area of God's salvation and anointing and be a carrier Of every area, every anointing of God. Right? We want to be a carrier of the blessing of God. And that means that we carry it with us, not just in healing, but also in provision. Not just in healing and provision, but also protection and deliverance and restoration. And for sure, we want to be leading people to the Lord and leading them to eternal life. And making disciples. Leading them to being filled with the Holy Ghost so that they will be empowered to be the witnesses. So a lot of times when we hear, oh, we're doing a series on healing. I agree, God's a healer. Well, are you walking in it? Because he commanded you to do that. So what happens is because we've heard a message before, we sit back and we get that crust builds up. Instead of saying, I need this. One of the things that I've learned over the time is, is that I've got to make sure that I keep myself fresh and new because God's always fresh and new. And that means no matter how much I know or how much I think I know, which is generally the bigger issue, right? How much we think we know, we still have a lot about God we don't know and we can grow in. Matter of fact, the more the years have gone on and the more that you Nicole and I have given our adult lives to go after God, the more and more I feel like a child. Now, when I compare to other people, maybe it looks different. But I'm not supposed to compare to other people. Our our curve is Jesus. We're supposed to be raised up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. He's our curve. Do I look like Jesus? Am I walking? Well, hopefully every day it's becoming more and more like that, just like you and I are supposed to do. But I don't rate based on what other people look like. Because here's what we have going on right now in this society, especially in church society, is you have a level that's accepted and even what people call good in church society, that is so subpar for the things of God that anybody that comes up a little bit above that, they're like, oh, you got to be a pastor. That's nonsense. He's just being a believer and a, and a little one at that. But yet we look at it because we're rating on a curve of man and go, wow, look how awesome that is. And God's like, that's not even scratching the surface. Come up. Come up. You are a child of God designed in His image and His likeness to carry the things of God and come up to the normal of God and be a a carrier of it and impart it and inactivate those things. Every person is called to that. Not just pastors. Pastors every believer, which is why he didn't say, these signs shall follow the pastors. He didn't say that. These signs shall follow the apostles. No. See, that breaks down that whole cessation theology right there in one verse. These signs will follow the apostles. Well, that w- no. It is funny. I was messing. I was messing a little bit. I'm glad you picked up on (laughs) it. These signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. Amen. Come on, Pastor. So the question is, if those signs aren't following me, do I believe? Uh We might believe in Jesus as Savior, but do we truly believe in him as healer? And and this, why, well, you're being rough now. I'm not really, I'm I'm being honest, but I'm being truthful because I want you free. I don't like seeing sickness and disease in people's lives. You know why? Because I take after my father who hated the curse in people's lives enough enough to give his son to break the curse and redeem people from the curse forever at the cost of... Of the blood of Jesus Christ. The cost of his broken body. That was a high price. And God the Father determined, I will pay this... So that you will never be sick again. Never be influenced by the curse ever again. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the curse. And it says every sickness and disease named or unnamed is a part of the curse. Galatians 3 says that you are redeemed from the curse. There's no curse left for you. Hear that. There is no curse left for you to partake of unless you decide you want it. Or you decide that it's acceptable. And the reason to talk like this is like because people have skirted around, preachers have skirted around this issue for so long and left the sheep bound by sickness and disease. That's... That's... Horrible. Lots of other words I probably shouldn't say. It's bad. It's not good. Because they, we got to have the guts to stand up for the truth. And stop playing with it. People are hurting and dying because we give ourselves more to our feelings and emotions and the flesh than we give ourselves to the Word of God and His character and nature. And while we're playing with it, people are dying. For real dying. So then, here's the issue then. Now when we come into a service... And we say, oh, he's talking about healing again or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, we take part with that curse instead of taking part with the devil. I mean, with God. We take part with the devil and his curse instead of taking part with God. When we come in and we, we become common with that message, common with the things of God, all of a sudden, we take part with the curse and the devil and his plan to still kill, and destroy because we don't remain fresh and new and look at the Lord like the Savior that he is. This is what's been going on in the church. Very few people are talking about it, but this is the problem. And the world is basically saying, why would I go to the church? They've got nothing to offer. All they offer me is judgment and condemnation. And for the most part, that has been true. But there's no power to heal. There's no power there to help me in my finances and stuff like that. Well, you're in a place that doesn't believe like that. We we believe in God doing God things and being a big God. And we see healing and miracles and financial miracles and debt supernaturally erased all the time. It happens to us all the time. All the time. You're in a place where the power of God is released. And if you're at the place where you're saying, look, I not only want that power released in my life for myself, but I want to grab a hold of it, and I want to be like one of those that believe that carries it, then we've got to humble ourselves to the things of God. Stop getting crusty. Stop having a hardened heart. And allow the love of God. What's it called when you take a steak, tenderize it? And you take that big metal mallet, boom, 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 and you tenderize it, right? We need to allow the Word of God to tenderize our heart. And it only needs to be hit as hard as the resistance that you're giving it. So if I open up myself and I'm not giving God any resistance, but I humble myself, man, it's easy to tenderize my heart. But if I'm fighting it, it becomes difficult. It's no fun. It's no fun. But if we'll humble ourselves and allow God to be fresh and new, all of a sudden he can take the seed of this word and he can plant in your heart about his love. And that seed will then come up to fruit that will be eternal. We've got to receive him like that. Church, we have a responsibility to do this. It's not. It should not be seen as an option at all. It never was an option to Jesus. It wasn't an option to these New Testament apostles and writers of the New Testament. It was not an option. And yet we've made it an option today. We've made excuse for not going after him, for not spending time with him. And it's time to change that because his great love is poured out. His great love is poured out. And it's here for all to partake of. But here's the thing. They're not looking at God to see his love. They're looking at us. And how we live is how they will see God. And if we walk around and we're all broke. Now I'm I'm using this as an example. But I'm saying we're broke, we got no hope, we got no joy, we got no peace. They think that's the will of God. Yep. Preaching. But if we walk around and we've learned how to receive the things of God, to deny the curse, and we walk around as a blessed people, then they think that that's the will of God. Because listen, as much as the, the church world is preaching all kinds of religion garbage to us, the world itself, it's only looking with eyes like this. What's the fruit? Is there power and love in that place? I want to see something strong and supernatural. Are they carrying it or are they not? They're looking at the fruit. They don't care about all the ins and outs of religious dogma. They care about is there supernatural strength there. And that's why they're going to movies seeing all the hero movies because they're looking. They got something. Even the world, even when they don't know Jesus, they got something on the inside of them going, I'm supposed to walk in greater. Now they don't know the answer to it, but we do. And that's where we push aside all the religious garbage. We get to the meat of God's love. He's a good father. He loves us. We get to the meat of that. And we let that start to manifest in our lives. And then the world looks on and goes, look at that. I need that. I need that love. I need that power. I need the glory of God. I need that. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Now, in another passage where Jesus preached this as well, it says, uh, basically, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, right? And I, and it may be just in the translation of these words up here. It means to do it continuously. So people found that it meant to do it continuously. And what they were, what they were saying was this. I've heard preachers preach like this. This is the kind of religious junk I'm talking about. And, and watch, just look at this first verse. Well, I'll come back there and say, I've heard this preached like this. Well, even though somebody gets up and they don't want to come answer the door, just keep on knocking and eventually God will come. Keep on asking, eventually he'll ask. What are they putting on God? They're putting on God a nature of man. They're saying, that's not what the Lord is saying about keeping on asking and keeping on knocking. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, your answer, look, look at this first verse. He says, ask, and it may be given to you. It will be given to you. Seek, and you might find it. You will find it. And it will knock, and it might open to you. No, it will be open to you. Amen. When you're asking for healing, seeking healing, you seek and you knock with all your heart. God says, I will be found by you and He is healing itself. He is the healer when you ask. But see, here's what we've done because we've, we've learned it religiously. Maybe we've learned more. We've made experience more of our teacher than the Word is and we'll knock. We don't see it right away. Oh, well, I guess God went home. I guess he wasn't home. I guess, I guess he's teaching me something. And we look for reasons because certainly it wasn't me who missed it. See, that's the issue. Certainly it wasn't me. I mean, I, Lord, I did what you said. And see, we start to apply to God the, the cursed nature that humans walk in. It's saying that passage is saying the exact same thing. I don't even believe when he says ask and keep on asking and knock and keep on knocking. I don't even think he's talking about the same issue. I think he's saying separate issues. Knock on healing and it'll be open. Knock on provision. It'll be open. Just keep on. You don't act like it's not open. You know the character and nature of God that it is open. I just keep on going. You know, if I'm going down life, I'm going through the timeline of life, and right here I need healing, say, Lord, I need healing. Well, I might not feel it right then or manifest it, but when I get to the very next day and I need provision, I'm going to knock again and, Lord, I need provision. Uh, Lord, I need protection. Lord, I need deliverance. And I know that every single one of those prayers, the door is going to be open. Every single one of those, the door is going to be open. Now when it happens, maybe I've got something to do with it at that moment. Maybe not. Who cares? It's going to be open. That's the promise. It will be opened. Religion finds a reason for it not to be open. When he said, I want to open it for you. Did he say anywhere in here, I don't want to open it for you? No. No. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened. Imagine this. Imagine if I come up to a door and I knock, boom, boom, boom. For whatever reason, it doesn't open right away. Am I ever going to enter the house without staying at the door? If I turn and walk away from, oh, well, they must not have been home. Now I'm never getting in the house because I've removed myself from the question that I ask. I remove myself from the door. So this is what's happened. People knock. They don't see it right away. And they go, oh well. I guess God didn't want to answer right then. Right then they removed their knocking. They removed their asking. They removed themselves from the door. And then they wonder why they didn't get it. You, it was self-fulfilling. Because you might have had faith to knock. But then you pulled your faith back. By saying it must not have been God's will. Can you see that? But where in here does it say that God didn't want to open the door? He says, you ask, it will be opened. It will. So many of the times when we don't see healing manifest is because we walked away from the door. We walked away. We walked away. And then we blame it on God. He says this, what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? In other words, he comes up, he asks for a loaf of bread. And he he says, look, even men will say, oh, here's a loaf of bread. I need a loaf of bread. Oh, here's a a rock. (laughs) Right? He says, even y'all won't do that. He said, "And if you wouldn't do that, he makes a, a, a contrast here. He says, if you wouldn't do that, are you thinking that the Lord would allow what you asked for to be counterfeit? It's not happening. If you then being evil... In other words, you still have stuff in you. God doesn't have any of that stuff. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? The whole point is God will not only answer and open the door, but He'll give better and bigger. That's who He is. It's His character. It's His nature. That's His love. That's his love. His character and his nature is to open up the door and open it up and open it up and open it up. He's saying, look, this is a picture of God's love. So then it becomes, it's not the issue, God is not the issue in it. It's our thoughts towards him that becomes the issue. See, we, we thought that he would maybe not not answer it at that moment, right? We thought, well, maybe it's not him. You know, I've, I've been thinking about this. Have you ever prayed for somebody or you've ever even thought this or even heard it preached that, well, you know, sometimes God, you know, he's teaching you something. He needs to teach you something. I need, I need 10 people real quick to come up here and just stand up against the altar real quick. Which way? Just look, face me. Yeah, just as... Yep, that's good. That's good enough. All right, now this is interesting. So it's kind of like this. This is the theology that we've had. Uh, I've come up for healing. Okay. um, Sorry, I'm teaching you something. Um, Wow. Well, maybe, maybe. Just hold on. Um, Okay, you can get healed. All right, and then um, now I'm teaching you something. And and what's our odds? What's our odds in America? Right. The odds are like, at at the most, 1 in 10. So it's like, well, Ari healed him, so sorry, uh, y'all aren't getting healed, right? Yeah, I'm teaching you all something. Everybody's learning. Glory to God. And and give him praise for it, too, while you're at it, okay? Come back next week. Maybe it'll be there. This is what's reality in churches because we've been taught the theology that God's teaching all these people. Which is a better teacher, sickness or the Holy Holy Spirit? One's anointed and it's not sickness. But if this was how God operated, if this was how God operated, wouldn't we see that in Jesus' ministry? It would be all over the gospel. But how many times did he go into a city and he preached and he said, and he healed them all. Well, either everybody who wasn't learning something showed up to that meeting. Either everybody who was was not learning something showed up. Or, you know, God wants to heal them all. Now which one matches up with his character and nature? Heal them, them, them all. So I mean, it, how how coincidental would it be to everybody that showed up to Jesus meetings, you know, was getting healed and he healed them all and he healed all of their sick and he healed them all. How coincidental would that be? And yet we've seen in the ministry of Jesus that never occurred and yet we've taken it as doctrine. That's crazy. And then the world's going, why would I go to church? There's nothing there to benefit me. And they're right because the church has not believed on God. They thought God is a hard taskmaster. They thought he's a hard teacher. But Jesus, see that, even that. It's like, man, this sickness really hurts. I wish you'd hurry up and teach me. I wish I'd learned my lesson, Lord. He's like, no, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't line up with that either. See, this theology and this thinking, is, it's messed up. And it comes from the fact that we really don't know who God is. Yes. We don't know His love. But even in the ministry of Jesus, I mean, Jesus is like, okay, all y'all need to be healed. Okay, healed, mm, healed. Mm, healed. Mm, healed, 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 um, healed. Okay. What's the only place that that didn't happen? Where they treated him as common. The people were standing up here and he was like, uh, will you heal me? Will I be healed, right? I'll be healed. But the only place where it didn't happen was where he went, I'll heal you. And the person said, now, now, Lord, you, you're just brine." Now, now, Lord, you're teaching me something. Their faith was not in him as a healer. They didn't know him. They didn't know his love. They thought he would sacrifice. I'm here to give you healing. Oh, no, you're not. You're here to give me a stone. No, I'm here to give you the children's bread. No, you're here to give me a stone. The children's bread is healing. If, if you, The children's bread, and he gives us bread daily. No, 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 Lord, you're really not here to give me healing. You're here to teach me something. You're here to give me a hardship and put a hard yoke so that I will learn my lesson. This is American theology for the most part. And it's a lot to do with why we don't get healed because Jesus comes in, he came into Nazareth and he's like doing the same thing at Nazareth that he did everywhere else. Healed. But their heart was hardened by a lack of faith because they saw him as common. They thought God was a hard taskmaster. They didn't know that he was a healer. They didn't know the love of God. And because of that, he could do no mighty work there. Except heal a few. Who were the few? The ones who knew that he was the son of God. So then, it didn't have to do with who God was. It had more to do with our knowledge of who God is. And our understanding of his love and how much he loves us. Now, with them in mind, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. This is a promise from God. It's a promise from God. I'm going to listen to Him more than I'm going to listen to a preacher. I'm going to listen to Him more than I'm going to listen to the pain in in my body. I'm going to listen to Him more than the experience. Ask. And it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And him, to him who knocks, it will be opened. Everyone. I mean, what man among you, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or when he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts? Give what is good to those who ask Him. In other words, He's saying this is an absolute. Based on the Father's love. You see, when you start to understand His love for you and how much He loves you and how much He wants to give to you, And when you start to understand that and you understand how much he loves you and how much he wants to give for you, you start to realize that his love demands healing be in your body. And the only one who can break that is me. You in your own life. You're the only one who can believe different about his love. And if you do that, you can break the healing that he wants to take. He wants to give you. And so then all of a sudden we become the ones where, okay, you're healed, but y'all are learning something. There's reasons. There's a bigger picture. Is that a loving father? I mean, if I bring Luke up here and he's in pain, am I going to say, now just put up with it. um, You're learning something. No, I'm going to do everything I can to get him out of that pain. Why? Because I'm a loving father. But the word says I've still got evil in me and I would do that. How much more would the father get him out of that pain? That's the character of God's love. No, I'm not trying to hold you there. Matter of fact, and when we talk about the two parts of life, if you heard that series, here's what he says to you. He says, look, you may be in a mess and you did it. Right? It may be, I'm just picking on Dave, but you might be there and you did it, right? But here's what he says. Do, don't you see this pattern in salvation? Who got ourselves in that mess? We did. And how big of a mess were we in? We were enemies of God. We were helpless. It was big. And who did it? And who paid the price for us to get out of it? And did he wait till we got it all right? No. No. He didn't wait for us to get it all right. So even in the pattern of salvation what he did was he said you got yourself in a big mess but I don't really care how you got there, why you're there all I care is I don't want you there because I love you and so in the name of Jesus salvation be I will even give my son salvation be in your life and in the middle of that not only will I give you eternal life you got healing, provision, deliverance restoration. Let me dust y'all let me clean you up. Let me put the ring on your finger. Let me put the father's jacket back on you. Let me put my anointing on you. And in the name of Jesus, be whole in the name of Jesus. And then what happens? We love because he first loved us. He couldn't get it right until he received that love. But now that he's received that love, go and sin no more. And the love that I gave, the love that the Father gives us now empowers Him to go do that. So by that example, this is, this is the next scriptures that we were uh, going to read in 1 John. It says, we love because He first loved us. By that example, how am I going to teach you something and empower you to be who I've called you to be? I'm going to, you can't be who you've called to be, who you're called to be. You can't love until you've received love. By God's own example, if I want to teach them something, the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to dish out my love in their life. And that love is going to have an effect. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And now that leads my heart to change. When he heals me, I start to realize, oh my goodness. Man, if he loves me like that, let me live my life as a life of love. So the best thing I can do to teach them something is not withhold it from them, but to give it to them. That's the word. Yeah. That's scripture. Yeah. And this is why people don't have healing so many times because they, they've based it on what somebody else said. they based it on experience, but not on the Bible not on the word that was inspired by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. And so they take all this other stuff that other people write and they listen or other people preach and they need to go back to the Bible. They need to listen and see the heart and the nature of God. You see the same pattern in the adulterous woman. She messed up. She got herself in that place. And Jesus says, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. It's his love. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's his love. 1 John chapter 4 verse 14. 1 John 4:14. Four, just just listen to this. 1 John 4:14. Four, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Look, we've testified to you that Jesus is the Savior. What's his character? Is his character to teach you something through your sickness or is his character to save you? See, we've overlooked the fact that that's his character and nature. He's a savior. He saves us. What does he want to save you from? Anything. It's his nature. His nature is not a savior only in particular areas. His nature is to save you in every area, every area. He's a savior. Verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. Now this love is not defined... By your life's experiences, this love is defined only by God himself. He is pure and absolute love. See, a lot of times when we hear that God is love, what we do in our heads or even subconsciously is we start to think of the most loving person that we've ever known. And then we apply those traits of that person on God. I'm telling you that the most loving person that you've ever known doesn't hold a candle to the power of the light of of God's love Amen. and every good and perfect gift that that most loving person that you've ever known has it came from God first. Everything they had that was good it was God in them but I guarantee you they still had pieces in their life where they were not where they were missing it. And so we rate God by somebody else and that's how we can get off because we start thinking that in all that person's goodness and they had wisdom, now we start listening to their doctrine and their theology. But he says, look, even when you do good things, you still have evil. You still have a peace where you were corrupted. You still have a flesh that's carrying that stuff. He says, look, I am good. When it says God is love, it is pure, it is absolute. There's no shadow of turning to his goodness and his love. That verse in James chapter 117, it's a defining of his love. His love is pure and perfect towards you. And it doesn't vary, not one bit to the left or to the right. God is love. He is absolute Love. And when you think about that, when God is absolute love and he's got that line of people that need healing in front of him, which ones doesn't he heal? None. None. He heals them all. Right. Why? Because he's absolute love. Yeah. Now they might not receive it. Right. That builds the experience that then man feels like they need to explain And that's the problem. Instead of looking for how God can be loved, they look for how He's not. Knock and keep on knocking. Because you never know when God's going to answer the door. No, knock and keep on knocking because he's going to answer that one and he's going to answer the next one and he's going to answer the next one. That's how, see you've got to see that absolute nature of God is so loving that all of a sudden these verses start to interpret themselves because you see, man, the love of God only has one decision. There's only one way for it to go. To save you, to deliver you, to heal you, to provide for you. That's it. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, now I want you to listen to this. This is going to give you a symptom of his love. Pay pay very close attention to this. This is going to give you a symptom of the love of God. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. In other words, what he's saying is his love is so perfect that it will take our mess and give us a position to still be confident when we stand in front of the judgment throne. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in the place before where I've been messed up and the Lord says, come here. And I'm like, "Mm, mm. no, I don't want to do that. I know that had never happened to y'all, but I've been there, right? Mm, No, Lord, I don't want that. But yet he just defined a symptom of his love. He loves us so much so that when we're standing in front of him on judgment day, we have confidence and not a wrong confidence. Not not a prideful confidence. A confidence because he doesn't want to kill me. He doesn't want to teach me something. He wants to love on me and to save me. He wants to love on me and save me. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Not only that, listen to this next verse very carefully, because this is, this is amazing. I think the power of this verse is, is missed by so many so you would be one of the ones that doesn't miss it anymore after today. Amen? Listen, listen to this. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Now, I want you to see something. There is no fear in love. Why? Why, why would you have fear of ever coming and getting prayed for? Because you might not get it. I might come up there and it looks like, uh, there's, here's the other thing. People, if I come up for prayer, they might think I'm weak. And that's a real deal. People fight that every time, every prayer line. They fight that. But the word says there's no fear in love. That means love takes away every fear out of my life. Every one. There is no, this is an absolute statement made by the Spirit of God, made by God Himself. There is no situation that you will ever have to fear in when you're inside of love. Love takes away every fear. So now now we start to understand that if we're walking in fear, we're not walking in God because God is love. And, And you start to see where, look, if I'm in fear, I've missed something about God. It's a great symptom that I've got something wrong in my thinking. It's a great symptom. But here's the, bigger, here's the bigger thing about it when you start to realize this. when If there's no fear in love, then all of a sudden I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear whether or not I'll get healed or not. I don't have to fear this pain that keeps trying to rack my... I don't have to fear that. Why? Because love will come in and fix every bit of it. Because that's the character and nature of love. It will take away every fear. I don't have to fear what people think of me what they don't think of me. I don't have to fear whether or not I'll have a retirement. I don't have to fear whether or not I'll have a vacation. I don't have to fear whether or not those bills will be paid on time because perfect love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. I don't have to fear what the situation is, what it looks like when the storm comes and the wind and the waves look like they're trying to kill me. I don't have to fear that because I'm in love. I'm in God. I abide in God and He abides in me. I abide in love and love abides in me. There's nothing to fear because when I come on the scene, I'm coming with love surrounding me. I'm coming with God surrounding me. And so everything, if God's with me... Come here, David. All right, come over here. All right, David is God. All right, David is going to be God in this example, right? Like, all right, now, when I come back here, you're the big, bad boogeyman, okay? So, we're walking down through life. I got (laughs) God. Yeah, that's right. And we're walking through life. All of a sudden, the big, bad boogeyman jumps out. Now, he's got damage. He's got damage on his mind. Stealing, killing, and destroying. Now, if I don't know, if I don't know that God is with me, I'm like, ah, big, bad. Boogeyman, right? (laughs) Don't laugh, big, big boogeyman. All right. (laughs) If I don't know that God's there, if I'm just walking and I don't know that I'm wrapped in love, then I got fear. But I don't care how big or how bad the boogeyman is. If if God and I are walking together, I'm like, (laughs) boom, God, (laughs) God, Right? I'm like, all right, come back. <laughs> all right, come over here. Big, big bad. And I'm sitting there like, do I care about how big and how bad the boogeyman is? Or the report is? No, because God's with me. As long as I'm in the presence of God, that thing's got no chance. Because my God is big. He's strong. He's all powerful. He knows everything the big bad boogeyman's going to try. Before he tries a move, he's done canceled out the weapon. Every fiery dart is going to be quenched. Can't nothing touch me because I'm in love. Now see, when I get a revelation of that's how big love is and how bad love is, just because I can't see God or can't feel Him... (laughs) Or I can't feel them at that moment doesn't mean I don't have them. Straighten up, God. Just because I can't see him in my life or feel his presence, it doesn't mean that he's not there. You have love setting at the ready in your life. And when you get a revelation of that, it doesn't matter what the doctor's report says. It doesn't matter what the bank account says. It doesn't matter what your spouse says. It doesn't matter what your boss says. It doesn't matter how your, what your body says. Oh, I'm hurting. It doesn't matter about that because there's no fear in love. I have no fear because I know nothing bad can happen in the presence of love. Nothing bad can stand in the presence of God. See, if we had God with us holding us by the hand, all of a sudden that starts to become a reality to us. But that reality is there whether you can feel it in the physical or not. He's with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you. Ask and it will be given. Knock and it'll be open. Seek. You will find. These are the promises of God. And all of a sudden when that gets inside of you, it doesn't matter what big bad boogeyman tries to stand up. The big bad boogeyman, which is getting more and more difficult to say, is going to get bulldozed. Not because of me, because of who's with me and who's I am. I'm in him and he's in me. We abide in that love. And now perfect love, cast out fear. Like fear, you've got nothing for me. This is going to work out. He's always leading me to triumph. I'm more than a conqueror in Him. I'm more than that. Not by myself, but with Jesus, with God. And now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. And see, here's the beauty of it is a lot of times we get the big head because like when we go with God, we just push right through that issue. And we think it's us. No, 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 it was God the whole time. If you push through any issue, it was God. It was God. But we got to know who we are. We got to know who we are in Christ. And that I am empowered. Empower me here. I am empowered by God. And when I might be just standing normal. But all of a sudden some issue, anything, tries to present itself in our lives. Some kind of storm. Some kind of death. Some kind of curse tries to present itself. When I start to know how big his love is in my life and who I am. All of a sudden there's something that comes on. There's a Holy Ghost like righteous indignation. No, you don't have the right to be in my life. You're not even legal to show up. No evil will come near my dwelling. No evil will befall my family. I am kept. I might be in this world, but I am kept from the evil one. Every fiery dart will be quenched. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost will empower and no, you've got to move. And now that power is gone. And I was empowered to put that down because I had love. Love throughout every bit of that fear. Now, if that's true, whether you know it or not. That's true whether you recognize it or not. God's presence with you and his love to be with you and save you is true whether you walk in it or not. So then the question becomes, who recognizes love? Who knows about his love and who will use his love? Perfect love. Cast out all fear. That talk tells me about his love. There's nothing I can face that love hasn't already handled. There's nothing I can face that love hasn't already handled. That means when I fear, when I feel fear, the Lord's already shown up and handled business. So I can just walk as if it's almost not there. I can just walk. Yeah, I may have to pray over it. I may have to speak to it because that's the way of God. But it's going to have no effect. It's not going to affect you, dear, beloved child of God. It's not going to have an effect. And if it tries to linger, well, it's trying to linger. It's trying to present itself as higher than the truth of God's love. That's where it's our job to cast down every imagination that presents itself higher than the promises of God. Oh, and he tries to stand in the way. No, you've got to go. This battle is over. This thing's done. We're, we're finished here. It was finished on the cross when God poured out His love and gave me entrance into His love and now I abide in love and His love abides in me. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. No, you can try all you want to. You cannot stand. Yes. Amen. I'll pass. But you can't stand in the way. You will bow your knee to Jesus. See, they're not, it's not bowing to you. It's bowing to Jesus in you. When we believe for healing or we believe for something, we're not believing in the healing as much as we are believing in the love. Yeah. Believe, we're, Lord, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I knew you did. <laughs> this thing's got to go. <laughs> you love me. I, there's no fear less. This thing got to go. Yeah. Because you ain't going to beat His love. You're not going to beat it. Then we've got to receive that as a child. Luke 18, 15, they were bringing even the babies to him so that he would touch them. When the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. Jesus called for them saying, Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now, most of the time, see, our mind right there has jumped to kingdom of God being heaven in the sweet by and by. I don't think that's what it's talking about at all. I think it's talking about the kingdom is another word for the king's domain, the king's rule. In other words, what would love do in this situation? How would love rule when the big bad boogeyman stands up? Love would rule, nope, you can't be here. Healing, love would rule, sickness go. So, and I'm going to enter into the king's domain, the king's rule, I've got to enter that as a child. I've got to see the love of God and I've got to believe it the way a child would, not the way the world has taught us adults to believe it. The world has taught us adults to believe it. Well, it didn't happen this time, so maybe God was teaching you right. something. Maybe there's this logic and that logic. Look, logic doesn't apply to a child. I tell Luke something, he'd be like, okay, all right. It doesn't apply. Uh, logic, and that's why God loves children, because logic doesn't apply to them. If God tells them something, they'll just be like, okay. I tell Luke, hey, when I lay hands on you, You're going to be healed. You're going to feel better right now. He says, okay. And he receives it. He'll just get healed just like that. Say, yep, I feel better. Mommy, where's food? Toys. He'll just receive it. But I'll tell that to an adult and they'll be like, okay. Why? Because the logic of the world and experience has taught us something different from this word. But when we see the love of God and the symptoms of it will cast out all fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. We see the symptom of it. When we decide to believe that just as a child and it's just that simple, God loves us, nothing can stand in His way, in the way of that love. And Lord, I just believe it. It might not make sense. It might be completely illogical. I mean, Spock would never get healed. But it, it's, but it might be to the place where nobody would believe that this can happen. Yeah. But Lord, I'll be a child with you. Okay. Okay. You love me, glory to God, you love me. That kind of person, they can get healed all day long. You love me. I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. But you love me. I didn't do good. My bad doing is what got me in this place. But you love me. And as a child, I just believe on that love. All of a sudden, that love can bypass all the logic, all the corruption in the world. Love can bypass all the problems. And it can bypass all the, all the things that would stand in the way. And it can take that salvation and break through. Boom. Every wall. Boom. 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 Healed. Because perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love, which God loves you with. It draws you to the place where he can solve it all. Every bit of it. He's always leading you to triumph. There's no situation you'll find yourself in that God is not faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No situation. So when we can get out of the logic of our mind and become like a child with his absolute love, the world opens up to us and not only that but then the glory of God can come and feel and the world will come to see the glory of God in you and then you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover when I first started preaching I believed that I needed to feel something I believed that if I was going to get somebody healed, I'd pray for them. And if I felt it, f- yeah, <laughs> physical in me, then they'd get healed. And when I'd feel it, guess what? They'd get healed. But then I learned it had nothing to do with feelings. It had to do with believing like a child. Amen. And then I went for about a two-year period of time. And when I'd get up to pray for somebody, I wouldn't feel anointing. I wouldn't feel stuff in my hands. I wouldn't feel any power of God. I wouldn't even have Holy Ghost goose pimples. I wouldn't feel anything. I had more people healed in that period of time than I'd ever had before. Because it has nothing to do with feelings. It has to do with trusting God as a child. You love me. You're a good father. You give good gifts to your, to your children. If I knock, you'll open it. If I seek, you'll find If I pray and ask, you will give it to me. That's who you are. It's your character and nature. And based on that alone, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And when I got that, all of a sudden I found that the anointing for healing rose up. Now eventually that feeling came back, but what he was doing, he was showing me something. I don't have to feel anything. Matter of fact, a lot of times when we have the most anointed messages, I'm not feeling anything. I'm not, y'all, a lot, I think a lot of people, they think that, wow, he's really feeling it today. A lot of times I'm not feeling nothing. Sometimes I am. But a lot of times I'm not. It's just I'm moving by faith. Yeah. By faith. Lord, I trust you as a child. Your word says that you will confirm your word with signs following. So you're going to confirm it right now. Yeah. And so I believe today. He's going to confirm it with you. Patty.